John chapter 6, verses 1 through 35. Uh, But before I read it, uh, to remind you of what had just happened, uh, Jesus had been in Jerusalem, and he had healed the lame man on the Sabbath, which initiated this dispute about the authority of Jesus as the Son of God. And now John moves to another occasion that followed this back in the north, uh, not in Judea, uh, but up north in the land of Galilee and just outside of Galilee. Uh, Most of chapter 6 recounts a message that Jesus gave in the synagogue at uh, Capernaum. It was basically a a sermon, uh, a teaching that he gave uh, in the synagogue. But important context for that message is a miracle that Jesus worked on the far side of the Sea of Galilee, on the opposite side from Capernaum, the feeding of the 5,000. So we'll begin with the feeding of the 5,000 and then get into the first part of this message that Jesus gave. So I'll begin in verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so that men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that had been done, they said, This indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? 
Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must, we be, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for God's blessing upon his word. Dear Father, we thank you for the message of Jesus Christ that you have recorded through the Apostle John. We pray that you would uh, teach us in this way and that you would draw us closer to your Son and the life that is in him. We pray that you would uh, make us attentive to this word that we might uh, benefit from it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This might seem like a long passage to read. It's a long chapter to begin with. But I think it's important because as Jesus begins to teach, uh, he begins to, to, to demonstrate, to explain the significance, or at least a large part of the significance of his miracle. That his miracle of feeding the 5,000 uh, was a sign that had significance. And it was to teach them not only that Jesus had great power, although it did do that, it showed them that uh, he had power from God, that's even as chapter 5 said, see the works that I'm doing. The Father is testifying that, that I am the one sent from him, uh, the, the Savior, uh, the Son of God. My claims are true. But it also showed about the salvation that comes from Jesus, uh, that Jesus gives uh, true food, not just for this life that is for a little while, but eternal life. And he gives not just bread that will nourish for a day or a few hours, uh, but bread that will endure to eternal life. So he begins, he, even in this passage, teaches that, that he himself, Jesus, is the true bread from heaven that gives life to the world. Now first let's look at the signs themselves. Jesus, in this passage, walks, sorry, he feeds the 5,000, at least 5,000, and then he walks on the water. Can you walk on water? No. Can you feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish? No, no. Yeah, it's pretty hard to do. It's impossible for you and I to do, but Jesus did it because he's not just like you and I. He was a man, but he was more than that. He was the Messiah. He was God himself come in the flesh. And 
he found himself on this day. He had gone out with his disciples in part to get away, to get, but, but, people, but people kept following him because they knew that he had healed the sick and had, had done great miracles. And so they followed him all the way out to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, uh, opposite Capernaum, uh, probably uh, to the east of Bethsaida and near the Golan Heights. That might be the, the mountains that are referred to. And he finds himself surrounded by a vast crowd. We later learn that there were 5,000 men, uh, not counting the, the women and children that might have been present. We also learn that this was around the time of the Passover, uh, that we come now to another spring. That's why there was lots of green grass that was uh, sprouted by this time. Perhaps some of these people were already traveling on their way down to Jerusalem anyhow. But not only might it explain some of the crowd, but also it puts into this setting all this discussion about Moses and the wilderness and the Exodus, because um, they're already thinking about uh, the Passover. Now, Jesus asks his disciples some questions. Not that he really needed it, but it says here that he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Uh, he shows and teaches his disciples uh, not to, to trust in their own resources, uh, to realize that this is a, a miracle that Jesus works and draws them out. Because Philip, just thinking of the logistics that would be needed, um, that well, we would even if we got eight months' wages, uh, we would still only buy enough to give each person a little bit. Even that wouldn't satisfy them. Uh, it would not satisfy. There, would, there wouldn't be any left over. In fact, they would still be hungry, even if they spent all that wealth. But you know, at the end of this account, people are stuffed to the, to the top, and there is still some left over. Uh, so it's going to be very different than what Philip anticipates. Now, one of the disciples, Andrew, uh, Peter Simon's, Simon Peter's brother, says that there's a boy there with five barley loaves and two fish. Um, I think some of these disciples were actually from Bethsaida, not too far from there. Uh, I don't know if he knew this boy or not, but somehow he comes across with one boy who had the sense to bring some food with him. And, but it wasn't very much. Five kind of poor loaves, barley loaves, two fish might have been used to kind of, you know, put on the bread uh, as a garnish or as a topping. But what could that be, as they say, to feed this vast crowd? What are they for so many? But Jesus said, have the people sit down. We're going to get ready to eat. That's what you do when you eat. You sit down. They sit down on the grass uh, we learned from one of the other Gospels that they sat down in groups of 50 or 100, and that would explain how they were able to count all the people. It's a lot easier to count groups of 100 than uh, to count uh, everyone individually. But they sit down, and the men sit down about 5,000 in number. Then he takes the loaves, he gives thanks, and he distributes them to those who were seated. The fish also, as much as they wanted. As much as they wanted! Uh, they were able to eat. It was an all-you-can-eat buffet. The food kept coming. As long as you were hungry, there was more to be eaten. 
and it kept coming. He just kept pulling it out. As he distributes it, more would, was there. He continued to make, to, to multiply these loaves and these fish. Then finally, when they had eaten their fill, notice they had been completely stuffed. They had all the food that they could eat. Then there's still some left over, and the disciples go out, and they gather, they filled 12 baskets from the fragments from the five loaves. That's kind of some irony there, right? What they're left over with is more than they started out with. Um, that there is so much, kind of one for each disciple, 12 of them. And so the people saw that this was a sign. Uh, where did he get all of this food? Uh, this was obviously a, a miracle. And they uh, it conclude that this is indeed the prophet who is to come, who is to come into the world. They knew probably that there was that passage in Deuteronomy 18 that Moses said that there would come one that God would raise up a prophet like Moses uh, to, to speak uh, for God, to mediate between God and the people. And they're seeing this, this great miracle, this work, it's kind of similar to how Moses fed the people in the wilderness. And they see, yes, this is the prophet, the, the Messiah, the one who is to come. But in verse 15, we'll find that their conception of what the Messiah was, uh, was a little off. But the people are filled, and then evening comes. The disciples are going to go in into the boat. Apparently, it was the only boat in that part. And they set off to go back to Capernaum. But Jesus went, uh, went uh, to pray, and a big storm arose. And they were caught, it seems, uh, partway across the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it's even true today. I've been told that uh, sudden storms can arise on the Sea of Galilee. And not only is it dark, but it's stormy, and there's wind, and there's waves. Strong wind was blowing, and they were rowing. That was hard work uh, to try to make it across the sea before their boat tipped over. But they saw Jesus walking on the sea. He was walking on the water. He was walking probably miles into the sea to meet up with his disciples and at first they were frightened but then he said to them it is I or literally I am one of the several statements like that in this gospel here it seems pretty natural because he's explaining that it's him it's not some ghost or some spirit that they're actually seeing him uh, but of course that is also how God described himself uh, I am. We'll see more significance to that statement uh, as we go along. But he comforts them. Do not be afraid. It is I. Things are going to be all right now that Jesus is with them. And so they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Uh, he brought them uh, to safety, uh, to shore, out of the storm, out of the rough seas. So we have here two great works, two great miracles, uh, one uh, miraculously multiplying the loaves and the fish for the vast crowd that had surrounded uh, at least 5,000, uh, probably more. And then he walked on the water and brought his people out of the storm, uh, had done so miraculously in a way that no one could have anticipated. Now, what is the significance of these signs? 
We saw earlier, of course, in chapter 5, that they witnessed to Christ's words, that he wasn't just claiming things, uh, wasn't pulling things out of a hat. He was speaking uh, and backing them up by these signs that the Father had given him to do. But we'll also find that they had significance, although the text that follows is going to give more attention to the first one than the second one. The significance is that the Son of Man gives himself as the bread of life from the Father. So next morning, people wake up. People are still in that region. Their bellies were full with all that bread, but they're already probably starting to get hungry. If you eat a big dinner, are you still hungry in the next morning? Yeah, yeah you're still hungry because it's a new day. And that's probably true of these people. And they're like, where did Jesus go? We saw the disciples leaving the boat, but Jesus didn't go with them. And there was only one boat, but Jesus isn't here either. Let's go and and follow the disciples and see if Jesus met up with them. And they don't have any boats, but then some boats come from another town. And so they take those boats and they go over to Capernaum. It's kind of an interesting uh, series of events, but they wind up in Capernaum. Uh, probably on the Sabbath day because he's teaching in a synagogue. That shows up later in the passage. You don't learn that really until verse 59, Uh, but that is where this takes place. They catch up to Jesus, and as his custom was, he was there in the synagogue, and he was uh, reading and teaching just like we do today. We listen to the word of God. Uh, We hear teaching and preaching on that word. But this crowd even though they initially recognized that this must mean this, this man is the Messiah, they kind of misinterpreted the signs. They didn't quite get the significance right. Their understanding of the Messiah was a bit impoverished, a little too low. They were going to try to make him king by force, perhaps even against his own will, perhaps against the king's will, though, uh, to overthrow uh, the, the Herod the Tetrarch or to overthrow Pontius Pilate. There were 5,000 men there. That was a good guerrilla fighting force. They could have done some harm, but Jesus didn't want to take over that way. He had uh, a bigger battle to win against the Satan himself, and so uh, he did not follow their plans. But not only were they wanting to to accomplish this salvation by the power of the sword, which was the wrong weapon, but they also were just hungry for more bread and were wanting to get fed again. As with the woman at the well, uh, Jesus has to move them from thinking about, you know, what shall we eat, what shall we wear, uh, the food that perishes, the nourishment that lasts for only a little while, to that spiritual food that is uh, unto eternal life, that endures to eternal life. He wants to get them to think about their need for salvation and their need for a life that, that does not end. Now, he begins to teach them. Well, they say, how did you get here? He doesn't really answer that, uh, but he goes on to, to correct them. You're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He kind of sees through them. But he says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. So we learn first that that the Son of Man is the one who gives this food that endures to eternal life. What happens if you don't eat any food? You You die. Right? You need food to live. But he's not just talking about keeping your body going for a few more years or for another day. 
He's talking about what's going to happen to you after you die. What's going to happen to you in the age to come? Uh, is, are you going to die? Are you going to be in, in judgment? Or are you going to live eternally with God? Even in this life, are we going to be dead and sin and trespasses? Or are we going to be alive unto God and bearing good fruit? Well, there is a certain food, a certain nourishment that we need to live, to have eternal life. And that comes from the Son of Man. It comes from Jesus. He gives it. And that is what we should work for, uh, not for the, the bread that perishes. He is the one sealed or approved by the Father. So just as Jesus produced bread, enough bread to feed 5,000 men, so he gives food that will sustain a person forever. Now, the supply of this food is endless. It, it is for as many people as who will have it. No one will go away empty who comes to him for this bread. Uh, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So work for the food that he gives. But how does a person work for this enduring food? You know, to, to get bread, what did God tell Adam? You get bread by the sweat of your brow, right? You have to engage with thorns and thistles. You have to plow the ground, you have to plant the grain, you have to harvest the grain, you have to beat up the grain, you have to cook the bread, then you get to eat the bread. There's a lot of work that goes into that bread that lasts for a few hours and then you're hungry again. But what's the work that you work for this food that endures? That's what the people ask. What must we do to be doing the works of God, the works that God would have us to do? What do we need to do? And what does Jesus say? Does he say, well, you need to obey all the Ten Commandments and you need to show me that you really love me and then maybe I'll give you this food. Is that what he says? No. No. He says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. It is faith. Believing in him. That, that's another way to describe faith. To receive and rest upon Jesus Christ. That is the one whom God has sent. Uh, and they even understand that, because they, next they follow up with, well, how do you show us a sign that we are sure that you, God sent you? We'll get to that in a minute. But it is faith that is how a person receives this food. The spiritual food is not earned by the sweat of your brow. It is not received by working diligently to earn it yourself. It's received by faith in the one God sent in Jesus Christ. Faith is the means by which a person receives this nourishment. But then the people ask for a sign, which is rather foolish, isn't it? Jesus gave them a miraculous sign. They had just eaten their fill of the loaves. And now they're saying, well, you need to prove yourself to us. Are you, how are we going to be sure that you are the one God sent? Uh, they suggest that Jesus provide them with manna, you know, because... Uh, citing scripture, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, Jesus is showing that he's a good discerner of motive, that they did in fact come because they had their fill of loaves. They want Jesus to produce more bread so that they can eat more bread and, and get stuffed again. They might have even been referring to that day's scripture reading in the synagogue, uh, but regardless, they... Uh, their minds were thinking still about eating more bread, not this food that would endure to eternal life. 
When the people grumbled against Moses, God rained bread from heaven. And that, that verified that God had brought them out and that Moses was his, was his prophet. Uh, but these people are ironically going to be more like those people who grumbled. They didn't quite get the right lesson from that text that you shouldn't be the one grumbling and should receive uh, God's word by faith. We're actually going to find in verse 41 that they grumble against Jesus. It's not good to grumble against the Lord. Now in verses 32 through... Oh, and one more thing about the, their quote. Uh, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. There's actually several verses that are, that are very similar in saying that. Uh, there's differences about which different commentators uh, say different passages that they might be quoting. Psalm 78 that we sang earlier, um, verse 24, says something like that. It's also brought up in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 15. Uh, It's also kind of brought up in Psalm 105, verse 40. And then, of course, the original uh, narrative of the event, which is Exodus 16, verse 4, where God tells Moses, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. And so there's this idea that the bread would rain down from heaven that would feed the people and give them life. And so they're saying, why don't you bring bread down from heaven just like Moses did? But Jesus teaches them that not only does he give this food for eternal life, but he is the food for eternal life. He is the bread of life that the Father has given. He is the one who came down from heaven. He wasn't just a man who was born in Bethlehem. He came from heaven to be born as a man. He was the word that was with the Father from the beginning. He is the one from heaven who is given for the life of the world. In verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. What is the true bread? Well, it's what the Father gives. And he goes on to say, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It is a he. It is a a person. Uh, It is Jesus himself. Jesus isn't going to call down manna from heaven because he is the true manna that came down from heaven already. Now notice the parallel here. We heard a, a similar expression earlier in John. Something of God, right? Jesus is the... Lamb of God. Now he is the bread of God. In other words, he's the lamb sent by God. He is the bread given by God. uh, In both cases, for sinners. Now, just as bread gives you life, sustains that life, this temporary life, so Jesus is spiritual nourishment that gives eternal life to a world that is dead in sin. Sin brought about death. Alienation from God, wickedness, condemnation. But union with Christ brings about true life, peace with God, being declared righteous in his sight, becoming holy. Now in verse 35, he speaks clearly because they still don't seem to get it. They're like, oh, give us this bread always. Sir, give us this bread always. And so he says it plainly to them. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
not talking about something that's just going to feed you for a meal. He's talking on a different level. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about a new life, a new creation, and a life that will never end. One that will endure to the resurrection and the age to come. And he also says here how one partakes of him by coming to him, which is uh, another way to say that is believing in him. Faith is how a person feeds on Jesus. Does it seem odd to feed on Jesus? You're going to eat Jesus? Eat the Son of God? Well, that's going to sound weird to these people too. Uh, But think about how you eat bread. Right? How do you eat bread? You use hands, use your mouth, right? That's how you eat the bread. And then what is eating bread? What does it mean to eat bread? Well, you, you unite the bread with yourself, right? You bring it into your body, you digest it, and then you receive its benefits. You receive its calories, you receive its power, its nourishment, right? You have communion with that bread, you know, you, you share in its power. You, you share in its, its benefits. Well, how do you eat the bread of God? Not the same way. You don't eat this bread with your mouth. You don't eat this bread with your hands. You eat this bread with faith by believing in Jesus. That's how you receive Jesus Christ, the bread of God. And what... And so, so your faith is the spiritual hands and mouth that receives Christ. But what is it to eat the bread of God? What is it to eat the bread of God? It is to have communion with Christ, to receive his benefits, his power, his life, to receive justification, adoption, sanctification, growth and grace, um, all of the, the benefits which flow from him, and to have a continual uh, uh, fellowship with him, that life that produces good fruit, to be that living vine that's abiding, uh, that living branch abiding in the vine, mixing metaphors now. To eat the bread of God is to have communion with Christ. I'm not talking about the sacrament of communion. I'm talking about the reality of sharing in Christ so that what the riches that he has, the redemption he has purchased becomes yours. Until you have this link with Christ, his grace, his redemption, his promises do you no good. It's just like a loaf of bread sitting on the table. Do you get nourished by just looking at the bread? Do you get nourished by just having bread in the house with you? No, it does you no good until you eat it, right? Well, likewise, Jesus is full of potential but is useless to you unless you believe in him, unless you partake of him by faith. Now this feeding on Christ, this communion with Christ is offered to you in the gospel and it's offered to you also in the Lord's Supper. These are uh, different ways receiving the same Christ. A person can have this communion with Christ before he ever partakes of the Lord's Supper simply by believing the gospel. In fact, that's the way it's supposed to be, that you have faith in Christ, and you receive this life from Christ, and you profess that faith in Christ, and then that communion is furthered, and you continue to partake of Christ 
in the Lord's Supper as well. But what's essential is that you come to Jesus by believing in him, that you receive and rest upon him as the source of this new and eternal life. So Jesus, when he was multiplying the loaves and he was feeding the 5,000, he was showing what he does even today as he gives himself life from heaven to all those who believe in him. It's a supply of bread that will never run out. He, his grace is boundless. It will feed as many as come to him and there will be more enough merits and grace left over. He is all sufficient to save all those who have faith in him to save all those that the Father has given him. And so Jesus is the true bread from heaven that gives life to a world that has fallen into death and decay and judgment. He died and he rose again that he might be the source of new life for those who believe in him. He has brought again life to this world. He is the food that endures to eternal life. Those who partake of him by faith will be fully satisfied forever in the full enjoying of God and glorifying of God to all eternity with more left over. May all come to him and live. To him be the glory and praise now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for sending your only begotten Son to be the bread of life, even to those who are unworthy to come into your presence and yet now to be united with your Son, to be brought to this life which we forfeited by our sins. We pray that you would strengthen this faith, that we might uh, draw closer and to abide in the one who gives grace and salvation. We pray that you would bring the lost to him, that they might also be saved from the wrath to come, but rather be filled and to enjoy you and to fulfill the purpose for which they were created. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.